welcome to This Versus That, Making Wedding Decisions with Kelly McWilliams. This podcast is for you if you're making a wedding decision and want to know what to consider before saying I do to all the things that will make your wedding experience a great one. I'm your host, Kelly McWilliams, and I'm so glad to be a part of your wedding planning journey. In each episode, you can count on me and my expert wedding co-hosts to give you everything it takes to make the best decisions for the wedding that you're dreaming of. I'm going to be a really straight shooter. This is not, I repeat, this is not the fun episode. In this episode, Leah and I are going to talk about money, budgets, spending plans, family, friends, budgets, spending, money. It's when you put all those things together, it's just a tough situation, guys. And there's so many things that uh, you're going to need to consider when it comes down to what you're going to spend on your wedding and who's going to pay for it. Ultimately, everything is your decision if you set it up that way. So just bear with me on this one. Like I said, it's not fun, but we try to do our best and we, in the end, want you to feel really great about the decisions that you're making. And this one is so key in making sure that all of your planning experience while you're engaged is that way because you've had these chats with your family and contributors in the beginning. So with that said, let me introduce you to Leah Weinberg. She's the owner and creative director of Color Pop Events, a New York City-based wedding planning company that lives in the logistics, providing an unmatched focus on event details for clients. Celebrating seven years of business, Leah continues to leverage the organization skills, calm communication style, and ability to multitask she initially developed as a commercial real estate lawyer in her previous career. Her colorful work and party planning tips have been published online and in print with Vogue, The New York Times, People, CNBC, Bravo, Martha Stewart, and The Knot, among others. Recently, Leo has been recognized as a 20 on the Rise winner by HoneyBook and the Rising Tide Society, one of the 25 young event pros to watch by Special Events Magazine and one of Biz Bash's top 500 event pros in the U.S. A 2021 wedding pro educator with The Knot and Wedding Wire, Leah travels throughout the country sharing insight with her peers regionally, as well as at national conferences such as Alt Summit, NACE Experience, and the special event. With that being said, grab some popcorn and some champagne and the Tylenol (laughs) as I go through this chat about contributors, financial contributors, and your contributions all this money stuff, but we got to talk about it, guys. Okay, let's jump into this chat with my friend, Leah. Leah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm stupid excited about this. It seems like such a boring topic, but I feel like it's a very healthy one to be having. Very important topic to have. And thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're talking about self-funding versus 
con- contributions, basically, I guess is the best way to look at it. Like having other people involved in financially supporting your wedding adventure. And that's, you know, a big deal in a very early conversation that happens in wedding planning. Well, let's say this. It should be an early conversation. Yes, it's not always an early conversation. And as we'll get into later, that's where the problem starts arising. (laughs) Seen that a few times. So, well, let me do this first. Let me allow you to take the time to tell everyone why you're such a great person to be talking about this, what makes you an expert on this exact topic. Yeah. So I've been a wedding planner for seven years and do tend to do mostly kind of like full planning with my clients. I don't do a lot of the shorter term planning. So I am with my clients from the very beginning. And as I've just learned over the years of doing this, you can't really plan a wedding or even start doing anything until you figure out how much money you have to spend on it. And I feel like that's a, can be, it's an unfortunate idea because, you know, it's your wedding. It should be about love and happiness and joy and the rest of your life. And so having to have a money talk at the very beginning is uncomfortable and not ideal, but just by virtue of like what wedding planning is, it's kind of critical. Yeah, it's, it's critical. And one of those things that once you get that part out of the way, what I find is just the ease of like, okay, now we know how to move forward and there's not going to be any of that uncomfortable. I feel like it's hard for us as wedding planners, even just to, we're the first ones that have to say it like, okay, so what are you comfortable spending? (laughs) Or what's the maximum number that, you know, you, and I do, I don't know how you do it, but when I'm working with my clients, I ask for two numbers. I ask for a comfortable number and a maximum number. And I do everything I can to keep them uncomfortable. And, you know, it's their wedding. If they decide, no, we want that other band. Okay. Exactly. I'm trying to keep you comfortable. But um, one of the reasons that you left out that I thought would be something great to bring up right away, and I'm so excited about myself is you are now officially an author and you have a book coming out. I am. I do. It's going to be out very soon. And it's talking about the emotional side of wedding planning and with a real focus on relationships. So the relationship of the person getting married with themselves, the relationship with their partner, with their family, with their wedding party, with their broader community. And it talks, it's got practical wedding planning tips, but also really kind of dives deep, dives deep into behavior and how to approach wedding planning from like kind of a a thoughtful and emotional way with also touching on like psychology principles and everything just so that you can kind of understand the behavior of what's happening when planning a wedding on top of all the other parts of planning a wedding. Oh my gosh. I feel like even just hearing you say that makes me think this could put people in a really good place if they start with, you know, just this read, is it a long book? It's a pretty long book and it's, um, you know, it starts, it's in three parts. So it focuses on one part is you and your partner. The second part is your family. And the third part is your larger community. So that's dealing with like wedding party and guests as a whole. But it starts out kind of with you and your partner chronologically, like basically like you get engaged and this is the first exercise you need to go through in terms of kind of understanding what you want your wedding to look and feel like, what weddings in your relationship means to the two of you and kind of what you're bringing to the table. And then once you have that particular foundation, we get into the money talk and the conversations that have to happen around that. Mm-hmm. Because 
once you kind of establish sort of the the baseline of feeling and how you want this wedding and wedding planning to go, then you get into the practical steps of, okay, we're planning a wedding. How much money do we have to spend on it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and hit it up. Let's talk <laughs> money, lady. So, um, so the, our topic at hand is self-funding, paying for the wedding yourselves versus having contributors, right? Yep. Um, if we were going to talk on tackle one first, which one would you like to do? I like to leave it up to my co-host. Let's start with self-funding. Okay. I think that's a little, um, it's a bit easier of a time. It's a bit easier okay. entry into this discussion. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I mean, when the opportunity is there to just have all of the control and not feel like you have to appease anyone else, I think that's probably one of the number one benefits to doing it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's the autonomy. You just, yes. there's no strings attached with anybody. You are in the driver's seat and you get to decide what happens. Yeah. You've earned it. You know, you've earned those funds yourselves and you can see and spend them how you feel most best for you and your wedding and um, the experience that you want to create. Absolutely. Right? Um, any specific benefits that you can think of other than that? Like if that's the, I feel like the most broad one and pretty much just makes it, you know, so clear you can do, yeah. a, you know, pretty much anything you want. Yeah. I think it also saves a little bit of, I mean, it can save those uncomfortable and difficult conversations of having to approach other folks about contribute contributing to the wedding and what those amounts are going to be. So there's the autonomy of just being able to do what you want, make decisions, not necessarily have to run decisions by other people because they are financially invested in the wedding. Um, and it does, it saves you from kind of as again, as we'll get into in more detail of having to go to somebody and say, okay, you said you want to help with this wedding. What does that mean? What is that dollar value? And that's an incredibly uncomfortable and difficult question to just point blank have to ask somebody, but you have to be that direct, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. Um, one thing that I want to bring out to everyone, um, I think this personally and professionally, think it's one of the very first conversations that you need to have with your partner is deciding how this wedding is going to happen financially, if it's something. So that is something that, and I'm, I bet you this comes up in your book, that you and your partner should make that decision together um, in the beginning um, and for not just because, you know, whether it's a limited funds or anything like that, but what feels best to the two of you. And um, one thing, as you were speaking just a moment ago, I wrote down a note. Um, another benefit is that when it's just you paying, you're very easily allowed to say, well, this is our wedding, and so we're making the decisions. So no one is necessarily allowed <laughs> to give their two cents and for you to be forced to take it in yeah. this instance. It creates that more direct boundary, for sure. Yes. Because you just have, it's just definitive, like, I'm paying for this. This is our decision. This is what we're doing. Um, and kind of a flip side to one of the things, uh, one of the aspects of out having outside funding is there can be guilt involved in accepting money from other people. So if you are self-funding, you are saving yourself that kind of the, those feelings yes. of guilt of taking money from other people. So that's another benefit as well. Yeah, I have, um, I have found that many of you who are getting married and um, my clients who have gotten married in the past, um, that their 
parents or the other contributors who want to give them the world and really are saying, do whatever you want. We want you to have the wedding you want, but the guilt they feel in doing that. And um, they just, where they probably would have said yes, if it was their own money, they're like, no, I, 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 I just can't do that to my parents, to my godparents, to my grandparents. I, I feel guilty spending their money on this, knowing that those flowers aren't going to be there the next day, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. 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 And I've had it come up in the context of where one partner's family was contributing more money. And so the partner whose family was contributing or had less to contribute felt really, really guilty about taking that much money. It was a significant amount of money from the other partner's Mm -hmm. family. And, you know, we just had to have the conversation that they're doing it because they love you and they wouldn't do it if they didn't have, well, hopefully they wouldn't do it if they didn't have the means to give it to you. But they're doing because they love you and they want this to be an amazing moment and day and special occasion for you. So, and you know, this particular couple kind of hemmed and hawed and pushed back quite a bit. And so ultimately, I kind of just had to lay it on the line, which was like, if you don't take this money, like your wedding's going to look significantly different than what we're talking about. And so at the end of the day, it also becomes practical. Like what, what do you want your wedding to look like? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want the whole experience to be? Because there's, there's so much, yeah. Even just outside of looking like, you know, like there's just, and you know, maybe there's a little bit of in between where you are fully responsible for just the wedding day yourselves and you can allow anyone else to contribute to, you know, the other parties, the dinner, the welcome party, the farewell brunch, have a, you know, you know, say, you know, we, we want to take care of the wedding on our own. Um, you are more than welcome to host a, um, engagement party for us, host a brunch. You know, I mean, there's, you know, you have that option to allow other people who really do want to contribute to do that, but maybe not just not necessarily for the wedding. Yep. So that's a, com- a nice compromise, right? Absolutely. Um, negatives to, doing it just on your own. I mean, obviously the big one is a, a different a, amount of funding that you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so presumably if you're being approached by um, any outside contributors who want to give you money, that um, is going to increase your overall budget. And so if you are self-funding on your own, then those funds can be limited. Um, mm. Actually, so I listened to the episode you had with Kimberly from Hitched Events talking about the length of engagements. Yes, and this relates to that in terms of because she had said that she and her partner had a pretty long engagement because they were self-funding and so they were saving money. So potential a potential downside to self-funding is that if you are committed to it and need to save up money for it, you're going to be engaged for a lot longer. Yeah, it's that could very well be the case. So, and that's such a good point. I'm so glad that you brought that episode up. And thank you, by the way, for listening. Of to- course. <laughs> that is wonderful. I really do. Pre- I, not everyone can see this, but I'm smiling because I just like to hear that people actually listening to the episodes. So I appreciate that, Leah. Yeah, um, that that is one thing to consider is that, you know, what when you get engaged, maybe you didn't know you were going to get engaged right then and there. Maybe it was kind of a surprise, you know, or, you know, maybe it wasn't. But that's something that you you can and should take into consideration from that point on, like when you sit down to have that talk right at the beginning, the beginning, uh, 
look at the number that you have. You find your comfortable number first and decide, okay, this is the number we have now. And if we waited and did a longer engagement at a year and a half, we can maybe double this. And here's the plan to make that happen. You know, we're each going to put away a hundred dollars a week or, you know, to make this happen. Um, or you can say, you know what? We don't want to wait to get married. This is what we have right now. And we're, we're going to be comfortable with it. It's, you know, let's do it this way. Right. Yep. And then even after that, a great option is continue to save and have that bigger party later on in life. You know, a vow renewal at one year, five year, 10 year, like yes. have, have whatever you can afford at this point in your life. And then later on, if it's important to you, um, save those funds and have like the bigger celebration at that point. I can totally be down with that. Totally be down with that. Especially for people who are, do you find this as a planner as well? That many people who reach out to you are in the process of all the things, getting married, buying a home, having a baby, moving across the country, starting a new career. I just graduated from grad school or, you know, graduated from grad school, you know, just took the bar, you know, like Mm -hmm. all the things at once. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you want to like skirt the wedding in front of it or hold off through all of it. So yeah, Yeah. there's so many things in place. It's funny. I bring that up in my book in the context of a story because I had one bride who planning a wedding, uh, moving, and mm-hmm. I think they had kids or had she had stepkid or was going to have stepkids once she got married and then also was changing jobs and she ended up with shingles <gasps> during the wedding planning process. Oh, good all Lord. Stress. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So not always the best idea. No, 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 no. So yeah, but okay, we're getting sidetracked a little. <laughs> but it, you know, the thing is though, it, it, they all weave. Yes. I mean, it, they is. really do. They all weave. Okay, so should we talk then about having contributors and the good, bad, and ugly of that? Yes, because I think people need to go into that conversation understanding what what can possibly come along with it. So yeah, I mean, obviously the pro. The pro is that you are getting potentially getting more money to spend on the wedding than if you funded it yourself. Um, But then there's also the fact that like that money is not coming out of your pocket, which is nice because then whatever you have in, you know, savings, whatever you can spend on something like house, starting a family. Right. So, um, you know, the biggest kind of tangible thing pro to having outside contributions is just having a bigger budget for the wedding. Yeah. So if there's like this dream wedding that you're having now, you know, maybe it's actually more feasible for you to do it. You 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 have less limitations or restrictions. If you always wanted that big band, but we're starting, if on your own, you were having the DJ uh, budget, now you can have your big band perhaps, you know? Um, let's talk about before we, like, before we get into some other of the benefits and cons, let's talk about some of the ways that people can contribute if they're going to be contributors. I mean, I know that we talked about earlier, like maybe hosting other parties, but back in the day, Emily Post, Peggy Post, there was etiquette on who paid for certain things. So I will say, and Leah, you tell me, that's kind of gone by the wayside for the most part. And what I have found and seems to be almost more comfortable for everyone is just everyone contributing to a pot. 
Um, and that seems to be a very comfortable place, but what's the word I want to use? Um, word of caution. When there's a pot, everyone, there's so many cooks in the kitchen. And because they haven't contributed to a specific thing, they, everybody feels like they have a point to be a vote yeah. in every single part. Kind of you like, an equal, yeah, they feel like they have an equal yes. say in everything. In everything. Lots of cooks in the kitchen when there's just one contribution pot. When everyone yeah. throws all their dollars in. They're all mixed together. It's kind of like the sand ceremony. Everyone pours the sand in the money and it's all mixed <laughs> together. You can't tell where it all came from or what it's attributed to. And that's, you know, that's how, you know, things like Emily Post and Peggy Post came to be was that so you wouldn't have that problem. Right. It was the Grimm's family who were to pay for, I think, the bar, the bar. and the band, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep, the music. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And everything else was on the bride's family. And also in this day and age, we don't just have brides and grooms. Exactly. Two grooms. We've got two brides. So, I mean, there's, it's, it's a different world now. So that may not necessarily, yeah, very outdated in, in that sense. But, um, so I, you know, from my perspective, just deciding that from the beginning could be also like another thing that you need to consider if you are going to be having multiple people contribute to the big pot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So kind of, I mean, yes, absolutely. The, those etiquette rules, I feel like are, are long gone out the window. I still, it's funny. I'll still hear people reference them. Um, Oh, I, yeah, I I definitely hear it. Yeah. And even to kind of like in the context of, of two grooms have brought up the fact like, Oh, we know that traditionally like the grooms, parents pay for the bar, but what do we do? You know, it's just, it's so, and it makes people feel so awkward having to have those like just very dated rules. Um, but anyway, I feel like you and I right now, we, we can set the new rules. Let's do it. For how to, for how people can contribute money. I mean, one of the easiest ways is to obviously not have set, you know, expectations of who contributes to what, but being able to assign, a thing or a vendor or whatever to somebody's financial contribution is incredibly helpful for a lot of reasons. Um, one, yeah. So one, it like gives them a thing and they know what their thing is. And so like, let's say you have an uncle that's a foodie or is a chef and like, he really just wants to contribute to your catering. So having him contribute to that and maybe getting him involved in the tastings makes him feel incredibly involved in the process, gives him a very limited role, which is key. Um, and it gets, it's a way to accept that outside funding. Um, you know, if somebody wants to contribute, maybe you assign it to florals or to the entertainment, but give them kind of a specific thing. Um, and then that allows them to, that kind of guides their involvement. I still don't think that's a way you still kind of have to talk openly about what you are expecting from their involvement, because maybe they're giving you money a photographer and they don't want. They're just like, here, take this money, go hire a photographer and don't want any involvement. So you still have to have that conversation about, okay, you're giving me this money. What level of involvement are you expecting in return? Um, But if they are expecting to be involved in some way, then kind of attaching that money to a particular thing is a great way to set boundaries and really narrow that role. Yeah. So one thing to consider is if you are taking contributions for a specific segment of your wedding, let's say for your photographer, for example, Probably the best way to go is to ask Uncle Larry, who's contributing the money, or whoever it is, 
um, to give the money, the funds to you so that you can be on the contract and the person paying on the contract. And um, that's going to be key for things moving along just in case, you know, down the road, something comes up. Also, another thing that it allows, I would think, Leah, is that maybe Uncle Larry thinks that a photographer should not be more than $1,500. But the photographer you want is $6,500. And you're willing to pay the rest of it, you know? So that that could be another reason like he could be contributing towards yes um and i think i feel like it's pretty much okay don't you think to say thank you we're so glad that you gave this to us we're gonna put this towards our photographer and but you again if you've had the appropriate conversation still our decision in the end who we use yeah absolutely i think that's a totally appropriate way to do that because again it's and i think even even if the person's not paying for the entire thing, I still think there's some like emotional involvement and like it just yeah. is going to make them feel good to kind of like know what their money went for. Yeah. And I think what a wonderful thing it would be for you to say, you know, think, you know, w- once you've hired your photographer, or I'm just using photographer as an example, guys. But Uncle Larry, I just want to tell you, we hired our photographer today and I'm so thankful that you contributed to this and you made this happen for us because otherwise we wouldn't have been able to get this photographer and it just means so much. Absolutely. And then, you know, Uncle Larry maybe can like make sure, you know, he gets a special picture or something, you know, whatever he's, you know, contributed to that he gets a little special attention that way. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. I grew up in the South. So saying thank you to people for like anything is really important. (laughs) It's a big deal. People are contributing to your wedding. Like really just, I mean, obviously don't be fake about it, but just really let them know like how special it was and meaningful their contribution has been. Yeah. 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 Um, And so what other pros and cons of contributions should we talk about so cons are um you know definitely those awkward conversations and having to Mm -hmm. say to somebody you know how much money are you going to give me i run into you know a hand not i wouldn't say a lot but occasionally with my couples they'll say you know so and so is going to pay for it they've just said they're going to pay for it and i have to say <laughs> it's I, so hard I, I need a number um because like you know i couples don't know how much stuff costs their family or whoever's going to contribute most certainly doesn't know how much a wedding costs right and so like somebody offering to pay for everything can be very different you know depending on where you are based and how much a wedding costs or even you know within the same area what you're envisioning this wedding to be because in many places, you can still have two very different looking weddings at different price points, even within the same location. So you unfortunately, if somebody wants to contribute or says they're going to pay for something, you unfortunately do have to have that talk of getting specific numbers, especially if you're working with a planner. Like we can't, there's really not much that we can do um, without that. I've sometimes gotten around it by saying, okay, like let's have a conversation about what you want this to look like, what kind of venues you like, what your headcount is. And I will prepare a budget based on kind of the weddings that I usually do and what I think they're going to expect. And then they can take that back to the person um, as a way around it. But they are still having to directly sort of confront that person about how much money they can give them. Yeah, I think, and I do the same thing. 
when when it's possible for and I think that's great when you do have a third party planner who can say, okay, people getting married, the couple, here are the numbers that you should expect are somewhat reasonable. You can take this back and say, the planner said, (laughs) so that it's not on you. Yep. um, That this is what we can expect and for these costs to be. And so if you would like to contribute to any of these areas, or if you already know what specific areas that you're going to be asking them for, you know, that's when you can say to them, if you would like to contribute at this amount, wonderful, thank you so much. But even if it's a portion of this, you know, we're willing to also contribute as well. Um, so I th- I, again, I think it just needs to be a really detailed conversation, but I feel like it has gone over better when they are able to, when you are able to walk in with some idea of what the costs are. Yeah. So you can look to your wedding planner coordinator for those amounts, or I, I hate to tell people to look online to see what average costs are because they're not right. They're not right. <laughs> they're yeah. not right. Yeah. <laughs> That's another really discussion here. for another day. <laughs> here, Kelly and Leah, loud and clear. The numbers that are line, online are not right. There's nowhere in the country where every single one of those line items on that budget is correct, like from top, top to bottom. Yeah. So, you know, reach out to the professionals in your area. Do some research early on before you maybe have these conversations. So you do hope to have those numbers to be able to say, because they're going to ask, well, how much is this going to cost, you know, niece? Jenny. Right. And you want to be able to say, well, it looks like it'll be between $24 and $4,800. And, you know, we want, we want you to contribute what you're comfortable with and, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If a couple's not working with a planner, the best way to do it is to actually just start reaching out to, to venues and vendors that you like and just, and get a sense of what's out there in your area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we talk about when the, if we're going to go from the traditional sense and that if that one family pays for the majority of it and the other pays for, you know, maybe just the rehearsal dinner, yeah. which I think is, um, I will say that I've come across many, many of my clients where it was the opposite way and um, a little bit of an uncomfortable situation um, because the party is who is paying is happy to do so, but it can also make the other side, the other family, the other half of the family feel like less than, or, you know, it, they're, they have a hard time with it. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, I think it's important in that part that you just involve everyone as much as possible to make them feel like they're a part of the situation, like they're part of the planning still where, and just leave them out of all of the finances altogether, but just have them be a part of the actual planning process. Yeah. That's such a complex situation. Cause like I mentioned before, there's the guilt that's involved. So getting married, whose family is contributing less might feel guilty about accepting that money from their future in-laws. Um, then like you pointed out with the families themselves, you know, feeling less than or, you know, just having kind of feelings of doubt or, or jealousy even of 
right? Uh, and guilt of like, oh, I can't provide for you know my my relative in the way that I want to. It's just so complicated. And then another situation that came up uh, recently that I hadn't thought of really before with my friend who had gotten married was telling me the story about um, like when the guest lists of each families are uneven. So like dun if, dun dun, if one's <laughs> a big family and one's very tiny, and then you can sometimes get into like this very nerdy math game of like paying for percent, like contributing percentages based on your percentage of the guest list and all that. Um, and even within that situation that what my friend was in, my friend is an only child. And so his parents, this was the only wedding they were ever going to be contributing to. So they were able to, they wanted to contribute more and the, his partner has a sibling. And so his partner's family was still having to say, okay, we're going to end up doing this again with our other child. So we need, we can't just blow the bank on this. We've got to make sure right. like, we're budgeting for both. And so like these are just the considerations that when you're plant, you go and you get engaged and it's a happy time, and then you really dive into this, and like it gets so complicated. It is, but let's let's reassure everyone right now that once you get past this part, I promise, Lee and I promise, it gets so much easier and so much more fun. This is this part, and I think um, narrowing the guest list are the two hard parts, yeah. like the really really hard parts. Um, well, you would know far better than I, because you wrote a book on like all the hard parts, <laughs> but from the, get the fact that you have to start with this from the get go is, is what I think makes it difficult. And it can be, a you know, there's tension and there's anxiety over these things. But once you can get over this hump, it just, it really does. It puts you in such a comfortable space to be able to move forward and say, okay, now we know what we have to move forward with. We can make great educated decisions. We know what our priorities are and, you know, how we're going to break those up when it comes to our spending plan. So once you get past this part, it's like easy sailing. Yeah. And I think and with us talking about this today, our hope obviously, too, is to give people, number one, a heads up about what they can expect as part yeah. of the process. That, yeah. hey, this is coming. And then two, giving them the tips, the tools and tips and tricks and everything of how to navigate it, what questions to ask, what you need to be thinking about that hopefully makes it a slight, it's always going to be awkward and uncomfortable, but hopefully makes it a slightly more bearable process. Yeah. I wish there was something that we could do to make this an easy button. This is not an easy button situation, but it's, we're here to tell you, you will make it through this part. And by just, when it comes down to it, Great communication and being gracious is the way to go with this. 100%. And um, the more you talk about, and also just like anything else is hard in the world or difficult in life, the more you talk about things, the more freely you talking about things, the easier it becomes to, you know, to bring the topics up. Even like once you get to this part and you've made these decisions, let me tell you how easy it is to go into your florist and say, I have this much money to use. I want you to make the most of it and be comfortable saying, this is what my budget is. It gets so easy at that point. Wouldn't you agree, Leah? For sure. Because one of the things I tell my couples to remember is that we made this budget at the beginning of the process when you were, before you entered into the more like fun, exciting, like, emotion, yeah. like exciting emotional part. And so you were very level-headed. We were very thoughtful about how we put this budget together. So when you go to your florist meeting and they're talking about like a disco ball installation with greenery <laughs> on the ceiling, 
you have this as your like North Star guiding post to say, I can't afford that. Like, yes, this is very exciting and it sounds great and it's so tempting, but I made this budget in a, I, you know, we spent time and we were thoughtful about how we did this budget and we need to stick to it. So sorry. And that your vendors will also appreciate it because they're not going to do work three times over. They're not going to offer you the world that you could not be, because they don't want you to be disappointed either. So I know we're getting a little off topic here, but I, you know, it's helpful. It's all, it's helpful. It's all helpful in the end. So, but you know, so going from that practice run, the hardest run, it's like you ran the marathon first and now you're just going to do these quick little sprints with all your vendors moving down the line. So yeah. Is there, is there anything else that you think that we need to touch on for this? Yeah. So one thing I wanted to add that I think is important to, for people to understand and just know is that this discussion about budgets and spending and contributions and allocating money amongst people, it happens no matter how much money you're spending on a wedding. It's, this is not just for smaller budgets, bigger budgets, mid-sized budgets. Everybody who is planning a wedding is going to have this conversation. Um, everybody who's planning a wedding, and if you're getting contributions from different places, the people contributing are going to have feelings about if one person's giving more or wanting to match contributions from somebody. So. I think this is a conversation that anybody can relate to. It's not just yes. for it's not just for a specific couple. It's not for people who feel like they have a limited budget or for a maximum or they have like black card, do whatever you want. No <laughs> matter what, those are few and far between. <laughs> but um but yeah, it affects if it's it's every it's everyone. It's everyone getting married. And you know, I think sometimes this is what leads to elopement. So like, you know what? Just don't want to, just don't want to do this part or go back to what you were saying, have the big party later and just get married. You know, and we, we fully understand that you can still call us for those big celebrations. Absolutely. Leah, thank you so much for spending this time talking about this heavy subject, but hopefully everyone feels a little better about what to say and what they can do and just take away from it. I think the number one thing that we took from this is communication. Yep. And the more that you communicate, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. And right? I think that also being gracious. I really appreciate it. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. I feel like most people are, but the more gracious you are, the easier. I mean, it's just, yeah. And involving people where it seems to be, where it that needs to happen. Oh, and one more, one other thing that we talked about was boundaries. Yeah. Setting those, like, you know, talking about those boundaries from the beginning, like, yep. okay, you're going to, maybe you decide that everyone's going to contribute, but nobody is going to have choice. Can we be okay with that? Is everyone down with that? Can we sign a contract saying? <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not comfortable, don't, I'm telling you now, don't take their money. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's so true. The, stick with what just what you've got in that case yeah yeah leah thank you so much absolutely this was so lovely thank you so much it really was and i can't wait to get my hands on your book and to share it with people it's (laughs) gonna be good okay bye i'm so glad to be able to share my wedding experiences and expertise with you and that my co-hosts are so giving of theirs we truly do want you to have the best time at your wedding And our hope is that this podcast is helping you to make your engagement time while planning your wedding that much easier. May I ask a favor of you if this is the case? 
Would you just take a moment to leave a review of this podcast on your listening platform? It helps people just like you to find the podcast and to also find out their answers so they can make decisions. I would also absolutely love for you to give this versus that podcast a shout out on your social media. You can find us at this versus that wedding podcast on Instagram. And if you would like me to help you with a specific question, a wedding decision, please, by all means, ask, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you and maybe just maybe even have you as a wedding guest on a future episode. How fun. Here's to another great wedding.